All right. Well, we're going to continue on with uh, Gideon. And so we're in Judges chapter 7 tonight. Judges chapter 7. And uh, as we continue our study of the man Gideon, he, as we have seen, was a man that needed constant encouragement, Gideon did. Uh, but before we get too critical about him, remember the momentous nature of his task. He had a job to do that he was not in any way physically, humanly speaking, prepared for. And God had given him this job. It would have overwhelmed most men. Uh, he was placed in an impossible circumstance. And we've got to remember that even the best of men are still just that. They're men. And so... All of us need positive reinforcement. We all need encouragement. And this is another reason that we need to be encouraging one another, by the way. There, Satan is always trying to drag us down, always trying to oppose all that we try to do for the Lord. And so we need to offset that by encouraging one another. We need to lift each other up. It has often been said that Christians are the only army that shoot their wounded. A lot of truth in that. And so instead of doing that, though, let's encourage and edify and lift each other up. Uh, in fact, one person said this, if you do not sense a need for continual encouragement to keep going, maybe you're not trying to do that much for the Lord in the first place. But if we're trying to do some, something for God and we're trying to go all out for Him, we're going to come into opposition and once in a while we'll need encouragement just like Gideon did. So it, it is those attempting great things for God that often need this continual support. We see this with Gideon. Let's start reading at verse number 9 here. This is now after God has whittled his army down to 300 people. Uh, they have went from uh, uh, three, uh, 4 to 1 down to 10 to 1. Now they're 450 to 1. Totally outnumbered. Completely impossible. Now God comes to Gideon in verse 9. And he says, This came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. In other words... The victory is already declared. I like when uh, God's man or when God himself declares victory. Did you know when David declared victory, by the way, when he went up against Goliath? Before the stone ever left his sling. This day the Lord hath delivered you. Uh, David declared victory before the battle even started. And so here God does the same thing. Victory has been declared. Verse 10, But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Furah thy servant down to the host. And thou shalt hear what they say, and afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down into the host. Then went he down with Pharaoh, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. Think about what's going on in Gideon's heart. He's got 300 men, and this is what he sees. Just a host of people, not even able to be numbered. When Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, and it came upon a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay long. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, man of Israel, for under his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. Father, I pray tonight you'd help us in these few minutes we have together to be encouraged in our service for you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. The time had come here when he and his small band of 300 soldiers uh, were about to attack the Midianite hordes. He was going to have to take on this 
mighty army, 300 against 150,000 people. This was a devastating challenge. It was uh, completely impossible, humanly speaking. Uh, humanly speaking, it was suicidal to attack a crowd that size with the size of army that you had. And so we see just before the attack was to play, take place here, God stepped in again to encourage Gideon. And I want to look at, just break this down for a little bit. Uh, we're actually not going to get to the battle tonight. I want to focus in on this encouragement that God gave because uh, basically heavenly reassurance is what we're talking about tonight. As we serve God, as we're going to attempt to do some things for God, there's going to be times in our life when we need some heavenly reassurance and when God offers it to us. So we see in verses 9 and 10, Arise, get thee down into the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Phira, thy servant, down to the host. So this, we see here the offer of reassurance. The text here, by the way, is often misunderstood just because of the way it reads. The meaning is not if you're afraid to go to the camp alone, take Pharaoh with you. Rather, if you're afraid to, take this, to, to do battle, if you're afraid to go take the Midianites, like I just said, I've given them to your hands. But if you're afraid to do this, go down with Pharaoh to the camp, determine the sense of the foe, and uh, you'll hear what they have to say. Gideon's order here was to go down and get some reassurance with some reconnaissance that he would uh, do basically stealthily. He was going to go down and spy a little bit. Uh, God tells him that he's going to hear some things that will give him some reassurance. And this would encourage him to then attack as God had ordered. By, this is a gracious offer, by the way, of the Lord to him. Remember just before this, Gideon had asked for the sign of the fleece and then... <laughs> Get it, classic us, uh, the first time wasn't good enough, the fleece uh, was wet, but the ground was dry. Oh, now I'm going to need the reverse to be done because he wanted to be sure. By the way, the sign inspired obedience. The, uh, th that doesn't mean Gideon was uh, filled with unbelief uh, because the sign, once he got uh, re reaffirmed of it, it inspired obedience. And so it's interesting here that Gideon's not asking for this sign. God offers it to him, and that's a gracious offer for him. Psalm 103.13, As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. God knew Gideon's weaknesses, uh, and he reassured him. By the way, God knows your weaknesses too. God is willing to step in and reassure and encourage you as well. God's people can expect needed encouragement along the way as they serve him. Now, we understand, I think we'd all agree, that if God states a promise enough, or if he states a promise once, that should be enough. Wouldn't you agree? But for us, it often isn't. Sometimes we need to hear it over and over again. Think of the man that uh, got married, and uh, they were having some trouble, and so they went to a marriage counselor, and the counselor asked him, they'd been married 20 years, and he said, do you tell your wife often that you love her? And he says, No told her on the day we got married that I love her, and that if it ever changes, I'll let her know. Uh, we like to be reassured, don't we? Uh, even though we know something might be true, we like to hear it. And so here God often encourages us by giving us his promises in the word of God to reassure us. God repeatedly encouraged Gideon. We had the visit of the angel of the Lord that came to him, the coming of the Spirit of God on his life. We talked about these in past Messages here, the response of the people to his call to arms. When, when he uh, sounded the trumpet and, and all these people showed up to fight with him, and then the sign of the fleece twice that he, he, uh, God gave him there.
But now we see God still willing to give him more. It's a gracious offer. And I think it's a blessing that he'll do the same for us. The, the principle here is also found in the New Testament. Luke says in Acts 1.3, Christ showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. I, I think that many infallible proofs kind of proves the grace of God who's continually looking to give us reasons to believe and obey Him. The world's not going to do anything to encourage you to serve God. And so we need to get that from the Word of God. And uh, He will encourage us as well. Look at all the promises of God in the Bible that are connected to His directives and His commands. And uh, we can be grateful for that. The offer was also timely. The reassurance came to Gideon <laughs> at a pretty opportune time. God knows when we need help. He is prompt in providing that help. And we need to remember, it, it does come, two, two things we can see about when this, uh, the timing of this reassurance. Uh, it came in a path of obedience, and it, came, uh, it did not come before it was needed. Uh, Gideon was being obedient, and that's important for us to see here. Did you know that you can be obedient and still have doubts? be in the will of God and still have doubts. One of my favorite, I always have to chuckle when I read this in the Old Testament in Daniel, the three Hebrew children, they're standing in front of the king. The king is graciously saying, I'll give you one more chance to bow down. Oh no, they said, Mr. King, I'm paraphrasing, but they say, Mr. King, we will not bow. Our God is able to deliver us today from your hand, O king. Then the next verse starts up, but if not, you, you can do right and still have doubts. A lot of people do that. And uh, here Gideon, sure he had doubts. That's why God came to him. And uh, so, by the way, think of the, man, uh, the, the centurion in the New Testament. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. You can have doubts while you're doing right. Gideon had faithfully followed God here. He had destroyed the altar of Baal at his father's house nonetheless. He had called those men to arms. He had reduced his army from 32,000 down to 300. He'd done all God had told him to do. Now he had his army in readiness to attack. There's no delinquency here. Gideon is doing the right thing. He had obeyed well. Now when this offer of reassurance came, Gideon was on that path of obedience. Can I encourage you today? You focus on obeying God. And he will reassure you. He'll give you that strength to do what he needs you to do. Those who obey like Gideon obeyed can count on God providing them with needed encouragement. Second Samuel twenty two thirty one. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is buckler to all them that trust in him. It is for those uh, who are. It is those who are unfaithful that lack the assurance that builds confidence for us to be inspired to do our duty for God. So if we are faithful in our duty, God will give us that encouragement we need. Secondly, we also see it, it doesn't come before it's needed. Gideon did not get this reassurance from God until after his army had been whittled down from 32,000 to 300. If you're like me, though, you kind of like to give, have God give all our reassurance before the need is actually there. You know, you'd like to have it right at the get-go. But God doesn't do that. And, it, and it's because it requires a little faith on our part. It requires a little faith on Gideon's part. If God wants us to focus our eyes on him rather than our own stockpile of supplies and ability, 
He wants our eyes on him. We don't want Gideon's eyes there. And uh, we see all throughout the Bible, God's never late. Often doesn't come when we think he should, but he's not late. Jesus didn't show up until after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire. Jesus did not, or God didn't shut the mouths of the lions until after Daniel was thrown into the pit. Uh, the walls of Jericho did not fall until after they had walked around like fools for seven days. I mean, they must have been made fun of all the time as they're just marching around the, the place for, for all those days. You know, if you look, if you read carefully, when God told, uh, when God split the Red Sea, do you know what the Israelites had to do before he split the Red Sea? They were walking toward it. I don't know if they actually walked into it, but he says, move forward, and it was only after that that he split the Red Sea. Sometimes he requires a little faith and obedience on our part before he gives us this reassurance like he did Gideon here. We also see the offer was accepted. Gideon hadn't asked for uh, another sign when God offered it. But uh, he had he'd asked for the fleece, but he didn't ask here. But he jumped at the chance, and I think it's commendable. Uh, he wanted to face the battle he was about to go into with as much faith as possible. Now let me ask you today, where today do we get our reassurance for our daily battle, the Christian life? Where do we get our reassurance? Well, we get it right here. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about it. The Word of God, our shield, and, and uh, the Word of God is where we go for our, uh, this should be really our primary reassurance. Yes, uh, being, you know, being filled with the Spirit, being, uh, be, uh, doing life in the power of the Spirit, being faithful to church, uh, getting under the preaching of the Word of God, all those things are a help. But really our primary source of reassurance and encouragement should be from the Word of God. And we have all kinds of ways to get to it. It's on our phones for free. Uh, it's on our computers, both audio and reading. Uh, you can hear it. You can read it. Uh, we have all kinds of books. There's uh, regular opportunities to attend church. There's thousands and thousands of messages online that we can listen to. But unlike Gideon, most people today are not that interested in strengthening their faith. There's not that many that are. I mean... Not to be mean to anybody. I mean, I know there's many that would like to be here but can't. But look at our church on Wednesday night compared to Sunday morning. There's not that many I've heard before. This more a joke than reality. But uh, people come to church on Sunday morning because they love the church. They come to church on Sunday night because they love the pastor. They come to church on Wednesday night because they love God. Congratulations, all right? Uh, but but there's some truth to that. You know, where where are those people? And uh, a lot of frustrations and a lot of hardships in life could be avoided if we simply put as much effort into our spiritual feeding as we do our physical. So, a lot of people aren't interested in that, though. Gideon, though, acknowledged his need of it. God had said, if thou fear... So guess what it took for Gideon? He had to humble himself just a little bit. Okay, Lord, you're right, I fear, so I'm going to go down to the camp. And so... It took a little bit of humility for him to recognize his need. It is epidemic today, folks, how people don't see their need. They just don't see their need. No, I'm good. I got it all under control. I'll be just fine. I have the answers and on and on. We must acknowledge our need. We are quick to see the need in our mate. <laughs> We're really quick to see the need in our brothers and sisters in Christ. But the need in ourselves that we're often blind to. 
Gideon said, yeah, I'm afraid. I, I'm, I, I need that, and so I'm going to go down there. It, it would help all of us if we understood it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer, and then uh, acted accordingly. An attitude of self-reliance will not win you any spiritual battles. It never will. Victory over your Midianites comes only if you avail yourself to opportunities to increase your faith. And Gideon jumped on it. So, thank God for his offer of reassurance. Moving right along, we also see the place of reassurance. This is interesting. Where was the place of Gideon's reassurance? Isn't this interesting? It's in a place of opposition. Go down to the host. Gideon is going to find encouragement in the camp of his enemies, not in the camp of his friends. We don't normally expect to get encouragement from what our adversary says, but can I tell you, God can give us encouragement from the most unlikely of places, as he did here. God uses not only the sun, but the clouds sometimes to encourage us. He uses the good times as well as the bad times. In fact, sometimes it's the storm in our life that reminds us how near God is and a help in our lives. It often put us in a place of affliction to help our faith grow. The psalmist said in Psalm 119.71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. By the way, that takes a little bit of maturity right there, spiritual maturity. It's, a, it's good for me that I've been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. So the very thing that Satan uses to try to destroy our faith is often the very thing God uses to build our faith. Check the book of Job out for that. Uh, truth there. So don't despair over difficulties and trials. Uh, We so much want deliverance from them when God wants development in our lives. And so be willing to be developed. The place of reassurance was a place of opposition. It was also a place of providence. Now divine providence is all over this episode in the life of Gideon. Gideon and his friend Phira, they sneak into the camp of the Midianites in the dark of night. Boy, that's where the heart's pounding. All those people like grasshoppers and they're sneaking up on a tent. They come near to a tent and they hear talking inside the tent. They put their ear close to the tent. This is what they hear. Verse number 13, there's two men talking. One of them says, I dreamed a dream. Said a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came into a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it. And his fellow answered and said, there is not, this is nothing save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Uh, What a coincidence. (laughs) Gideon shows up, and they're talking about him. uh, Somebody said a coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Uh, Well, he wasn't anonymous here. It's pretty clear the message God had for Gideon. But uh, this is just what Gideon needed. Gideon's reassurance came in a place of opposition and, of course, a place of providence. It was also a place of learning. Can I tell you today, the place of reassurance in our Christian lives is always a place of learning. Whether it be from the Word of God, whether it be from another Christian, uh, from the preaching of the Word of God, ignorance might produce false assurance, but we're talking about genuine assurance here. And Gideon learned here three important things I'd like to point out. The force of weakness. He learned about the force of weakness. A cake of barley bread tumbling into the camp of the Midianites, knocking flat a tent. Now get the picture. A loaf of bread rolling down a hill and knocking over a tent flat. That's a force of weakness right there. And uh, barley bread represented the weak and the despised. Uh, One of the commentaries that I read, Jameson said, Barley was usually the food of the poor and of beasts. The cake of barley bread 
picture Gideon that knocked over the tent. Weakness knocking over the strong. Now imagine how this would encourage Gideon. Not only did he see the picture in there, the enemy saw the picture as well. Uh, the dream depicted his situation. He's weak. He's unlikely. He's a barley loaf, essentially. Yet it promised miraculous accomplishment. It reminded Gideon that God can work through the weakest of men if they are just surrendered to Him. In fact, that's how God does His greatest works. It's through the most unlikely of men. Interesting, we see that all throughout the Bible. It reminds us what Paul said. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Philippians. Uh, what God said to Paul, my strength is made perfect in weakness. It is, it, it's not a lack of strength in our life that hinders God working through us. Remember, by the way, God's not looking to see what we can do for Him, but what He can do through us. It's not a lack of strength in our life that hinders His work through us. It is a lack of surrender in our life. And so here Gideon just needed to learn that. Gideon also learned not only the force of weakness, but the fear of Midian. Now, imagine how shocked he must have been that here you have two guys. They're, they're spread across the hills like grasshoppers. He's got 300 men, and they're scared of him. They're, they are. They're, they have a fear of him. The whole tone, the dream and its interpretation shows that there was a lot of apprehension with the Midianites about Gideon. For unto his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. Here you have these heathens, the enemy, who far outnumber God's people, and they have already kind of recognized defeat, or they're at least fearing it. It's amazing. What did, by the way, what had Gideon just experienced? 22,000 of his soldiers going home. Why? Because they were afraid. Remember God said, if you fear, go home. All Gideon had seen so far was fear from God's people or by God's people. Now he sees some fear from the enemy as well. And this has got to encourage his heart uh, to learn that Midian had fear too. By the way, the fear that they had in their heart was, was God working in their heart because they didn't have any reason to fear if they looked around, physically speaking. They were, the, they were easily going to be able, humanly speaking, easily going to be able to wipe out this small group of men that Gideon had. So, when we follow God's leading, like Gideon did, we'll also see God work in their hearts. Gideon also learned the fame of himself. Uh, this had been a great surprise of Gideon. He called him Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. This means that he knew who Gideon was, the son of Joash, also had great respect of him. This term, man of Israel, basically means a, might, a distinguished man of Israel, a mighty man of Israel. So Gideon, remember, had very, a lot of trouble viewing himself as anything. He said he was basically the runt kid from a runt family of the runt nation of the world. He was nobody. And uh, yet here, God had elevated his, uh, him in the eyes of the Midianites so much that they feared him. There's an important lesson here. Uh, a lot of people, in fact, probably most people, spend way too much time tooting their own horn. Somebody said before, you can't tell by the toot of the horn how much gas is in the tank. Uh, and yet we do, we're constantly trying to build ourselves up, uh, tooting our own horns, uh, trying to build our, uh, basically ourselves, our own kingdoms. We'll even campaign to elevate ourselves in the eyes of men. Say, where do people do that? Well, go on Facebook, you'll see plenty of it there. 
But how foolish it is for God's people to be involved in that sort of thing. If God wants us to be esteemed, if esteem is necessary, he'll provide it. He'll do it. He'll take care of that. He'll make sure we have it. We don't have to brag on ourselves to get it. Our job is simply to surrender to the will of God and let God take care of all the rest. Finally, I want to look at the product of reassurance. And here's where we see the difference between belief or faith and unbelief. We often, and I don't know how many times I've heard it as a pastor, I just wish God would prove himself. Wish God would show himself, prove himself. So, uh, which to me is ridiculous on the face of it, that comment. I mean, if I, I have not seen the Mona Lisa, but if I ever get a look at the Mona Lisa, I'm not a huge fan of art. But uh, if I see the Mona Lisa, I'm going to be pretty assured somebody painted that thing. In fact, who painted that thing anyway? I can't remember who painted it. Somebody did though, right? Thank you, Da Vinci, yes. Uh, if I see a, if you ever go to uh, a, a big city and you see big, huge skyscrapers, I'm going to be pretty convinced there was an architect. And I live in a pretty beautiful world who I'm sure had a designer, all right? It's just common sense. Wish God would show himself. I've asked one man, what, what, do you, what do you wish he would do? Well, he should make himself visible to us. And see, so, you know, it's interesting because he did 2,000 years ago. He came, dwelt among us. He proved who he was. He raised people from the dead, healed people, gave blind eyes sight, healed lepers. He showed clearly who he was. There was no doubt about it. And guess what the world did? Crucified him. Because here's the deal, faith or, or unbelief and proof, they're not connected. Unbelievers are not looking to have proof for their, to, to change their unbelief. And so unbelief does not respond to proof. The opposite of unbelief is not sight. The opposite of unbelief is faith, really. If you want to get into the book of Hebrews, you can see that. So when faith is given signs, it is inspired to honor and serve God all the more. But when unbelief is given signs, I'll give you another example, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, Pharaoh was giving, given ten pretty clear signs of who's in charge when he asked that question, who is this God that I should serve him? So God said, all right, I'll show you. I'll show you in ten different ways. And he had a chance to respond, and he still hardened his heart every time because unbelief does not respond to proof. But if faith receives uh, reassurance like this, if, if, if it's given signs, it, it, it responds and serves all the better. Gideon's reaction shows which camp he was in. He used the reassurance to move forward. Look at the first thing he did. He worshipped. When Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, he worshipped. When our faith is strengthened, the first thing that will show, or, or that, the, first, the show in our life for it will be worship of God. An increase of faith always manifests itself in an increase of worship. Many uh, may believe that reassurance is only necessary when the battle comes, but we've got to worship well before we'll battle well. Amen? And so he, the first thing he did, is, by, by the way, that's why it's important to be here, to, to come to church, to be in your Bible, to pray regularly, to get around God's people, edify one another, plug yourself into the local church. It's important because if we're going to battle well, we first need to worship well. We need to get equipped for these different things that we have to face in our life. So uh, we already learned that before Israel ever could go to war against Midian, God had to correct their worship 
uh, from Baal to Jehovah. They were worshiping Baal. I love that we, we at least I had a good chuckle when I read the part in the, where, where they're all, you know, they're wanting a deliverer. Oh, God, send us a deliverer. So God sends them a preacher. <laughs> he wanted a, somebody to come and fight. And so God sends them a preacher to tell them what was wrong with them first. They had to get their life cleaned up before they could get, take care of the Midianites because their number one problem wasn't the Midianites. The number one problem was that they worshipped idols. They had to get that right in their life. So, same principle holds true here with Gideon. If reassurance will move Gideon to service, it's also going to move him to worship. And that's what he did. He worshipped. Verse 15, uh, he continues, after Gideon worshipped, he got down to business, warring against the Midianites. Verse 15, he returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. He is now, I believe, fired up and ready. <laughs> Even they're scared of us. That's a good sign. God was strengthening Gideon for his duty. By the way, he, he wasn't just filling Gideon's head with useless knowledge. He wasn't trying to puff him up. The reason God gave him this reassurance is so Gideon would do the work. Go out and do what he was commanded to do. God had called him to lead Israel against Midian. Now he gives Gideon courage to do the work. A.F. Muir said, Do not allow God's gracious revelations in our lives to be a dead letter. Act upon them that our lives may be brought in subjection and harmony with his will. Revelation is given for practical application to our lives. I, I, I've told you many, many times that's my desire in preaching from this pulpit. I have nothing against theological knowledge. I enjoy it. I like reading books. I like getting into it, learning these different things. But if I send a, a group of people that we've preached to home with a bunch of theological knowledge in their head and no application attached to it, we haven't accomplished anything. It's supposed to, I believe, affect our lives, our everyday walk. Amen? And so uh, revelation is given for practical application, which is what God gave this to Gideon for, gave him this knowledge so he could get busy and do what he needed to do. And he did, thank God. He was given knowledge about the Midianites so he'd serve better. Be a good steward for God. Uh, be a good steward with the Word of God. And it'll encourage your faith to serve Him better. That's our message with encapsulated tonight. God wants us to be reassured in serving Him. He does not want us to walk in darkness. So He gives us light. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This book, is so vitally important for each and every one of our daily lives. I hope you're in it every day, faithfully so. And God will use you in a great way. Remember always, one of the greatest lessons we have with Gideon is it's just one more example in the Bible when God uses a nobody to do some great work. He's done it, he does it all throughout the Bible. And I love the stories and the examples in the Bible that we get with God using weak people. Because if God can use weak people, he can use me. Amen? And he can use you. And he does so all throughout the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for this.